The Guardian. Hello and welcome to another Guardian Australia podcast from the Brisbane Festival. I'm Vicky Frost, Guardian Australia's culture editor, and today I'm here at Brisbane Powerhouse, an art centre about five kilometres up the river from the city centre. Later, we're going to hear from James Lees, who's been programming local music for the festival. will give us a bit of a musical sampler and some of his highlights. And I'm going to be joined by Ben Neutzer and Andrew P. Street. But first, I'm joined by Chris Stewart, who's the new artistic director, or new-ish, anyway. New enough. Still feel very new. <laughs> new inbox. Um, so tell me, when did you arrive and what enticed you here? I've only been here about six or seven weeks now, I guess. I got the job in March. It was one of those opportunities that you couldn't you just you knew it was sort of a life-changing fantastic thing to have occur to you um and i just think brisbane's a very energetic exciting forward-looking kind of city so it was a really great place to sort of relocate our lives to i mean i should say if you're wondering what that noise is in the background i'm standing outside with chris we're standing out on the riverbed and something's doing some sort of chuckling sort of noise behind us. We're um, actually in the bath together, so don't <laughs> lie to the listeners. <laughs> uh, so we're standing out here on this glorious deck right on the river um, mm. and this amazing building behind us. Will you tell us a little bit about it? So Britain Powerhouse used to be the power centre that powered all of the trams and things through Brisbane. And, you know, as happened in a lot of cities, the sort of the streetcars in the... 70s I guess kind of got phased out and you have these amazing period buildings that sort of sit on the river surrounded by a park and it sort of fell into disuse and it became a place for graffiti artists and performance art and general kind of lying around of homeless folk and stuff like that and then kind of amazingly you know probably 12 or 14 years ago they came into the building and instead of knocking it down and turning it into a bunch of apartments with river views and things like that. They decided to turn it into an art centre and amazingly decided to keep a lot of the sort of the art that now existed on the walls. So as you walk through here, there are these amazing street art and graffiti works that are through here that are now being sort of captured in amber. It's sort of a moment in time. And, and I think it gives the building this great sense of authenticity and, and things like that. I think of it almost like the buildings wearing tattoos. It's almost like got a big <laughs> sleeve of tattoos and it sort of kept them even though it got them in its youth and now it's a bit older. It's a really nice feel to it, isn't it? It's certainly there's a sense of a, a sad and, and misgotten youth or something that sort of happened here that, you know. And I think um, this sense of misbehaviour and sort of mischief sort of runs through the place. And I think that's kind of fun, you know. I think one thing that's good about... Brisbane is having a place like this that doesn't really give a fuck, that kind of does what it wants and has an adventure to it and like just wants to, to have fun and do shows that are awesome. So there's no sense here of, you know, you come and watch art and fold your hands neatly in your lap and sit there politely and applaud at the end and on the bus trip home talk about how clever everything made you felt. Like it, it actually strives for something a bit more kind of visceral and immediate and I think that's really great and a lot more interesting so that is river cats by the way everybody at home <laughs> that's what that's what that was you must be starting to think about programming a little bit now <laughs> sure. so what's sort of like a dream programming really oh goodness that's a great one to throw at me I mean I think there are things that uh, artists in Brisbane do very well there's sort of like a I don't want to say a house style for this state because it's very diverse, but the nature of this place is that it's a very physical sort of environment. It's a very outdoors kind of place. You know, people grow up doing things, you know, and I think a lot of the 
circus work and a lot of the kind of burlesque vaudeville sort of I think there's a great history here of of that kind of stuff that that I think has stayed very contemporary and uh, and I think it has always had a great place here but but I think one thing that's most interests me is this is probably the first time I've worked in something that likes to self-define itself as a cultural centre as compared to an art centre and, and obviously we're an art centre don't get me wrong but but I think there are a lot of people that wouldn't necessarily self-define as I'm an artist with a fuzzy hat and a, you know a, a big buffy tie people that are creators and creative that don't necessarily want to be seen as an artist with quotation marks around it that would have a place here for what their work is and I think contemporary cultural practice is a really diverse kind of thing and I think creativity now encompasses a lot of things that 20 years ago it maybe wouldn't. I think there's a lot that's been done in sort of recognising food and contemporary music and modes of dance and a whole bunch of things that maybe in the past wouldn't have been thought of as you know that's arts practice but actually now we're kind of a bit more into realising that culture is a very big tent kind of thing and I think as long as it's forward looking it sort of has a place here. So is this your first Brisbane festival then? It is. I've been to a Brisbane festival in the past just purely as an innocent bystander. And it's been a really interesting first few weeks on the job because this time of year here is where a lot of industry comes into Brisbane. So as well as all the stuff that happens around the festival itself, there's a lot of, of industry activity, a lot of business that gets done in the, the business of show around this time. We had a thing here that was called Long Paddock where all the art centres come in and start talking about product they can share and tour. And there's the major festivals initiative which happens over the next few days where all of the major arts festivals in Australia come to one place and talk about things they can commission together and stuff. So it's just a lot going on. Tell me a bit about this. As a British person coming to Australia, there are a crazy number of festivals, it yeah. feels like to me. What's this emphasis on festivals in Oz? Well, I think it's an event culture here. And there is a bit of a, you know, 10 years ago you would have called yourself a church fate, but now you're kind of a <laughs> fundraising festival for the beauty of God or whatever else. Everything kind of becomes a festival. And I think that comes from an innate Australian wanting to celebrate stuff. There is something about this place that likes parties, that likes getting out and doing things, that likes making things an event and that has become a very festival culture here, especially during the summer period. There is hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of things on like that and I think that's kind of cool and in a busy calendar it allows things to sort of say this is our moment, you know. It allows an event to say, you know, if you want contemporary guitar playing then the guitar festival is your time of the year to go and do it you know and I think that's actually cool because it gives those particular things a moment to be above the radar and to be seen. So we should say that you were involved in setting up Sydney Fringe. Yep. This also actually is a question that confuses me slightly. Fringe festivals seem to happen not necessarily connected to the main festivals in any way. Is that, isn't that a bit odd? I was, I was a bit disappointed to have missed Brisbane Fringe by, sort of by the time I got here. Yeah, I kind of think it depends on the age of the festival because I think the motivation for the Adelaide Fringe was around the Adelaide Festival only programming international acts and not local acts. Mm. When we were doing the Sydney Fringe, it's sort of as a newer Fringe festival, it doesn't really have that same kind of perspective. I mean, with Sydney Fringe, it's more about the idea of independent arts in Sydney is often something that sits on the fringe, you know. People wanting to sit outside of 
conservative culture or something that maybe sits on the fringe. It wasn't so much about the festival, which now largely engages with independent artists and most arts festivals do. You know, that idea of we have festivals because we're so far away and how will we get exposed to culture otherwise has no relevance nowadays. But the idea of wanting to create something independent and reckless and exciting, that stuff that that wants to exist on the fringe of a city and on the fringe of culture, that's really what those festivals sort of express. And a lot of fringes nowadays are actually about something else other than there's this big festival that we exist outside of. Because I guess the problem that a fringe festival has tried to address has sort of changed in the last 40 years. So it's, it's more a question of labelling. It tells you what to expect, doesn't it? But it doesn't necessarily make a relationship with anything. Yeah, well, actually what happened with the Sydney Fringe was it was an attempt to create an, an event that celebrated the independent arts sector in Sydney, which it was felt sort of a bit under-acknowledged. But the funny thing was, once we started saying we want to do this festival that celebrates the independent arts, we wanted to have a lot of independent theatre and we wanted this, we sort of after realised, well, if it walks like a duck and quacks like a duck, <laughs> then this is actually a fringe festival. That's what this is. So let's just call it what it is and suck it up and move on. And, and it actually helped in the first year to say, oh, this is the Sydney Fringe Festival, because people kind of go, oh, there wasn't a Sydney Fringe Festival. <laughs> so it meant you could actually grow the event a lot quicker because people understood immediately what it was because people get the idea of what a Fringe Festival is. And what are your plans for here? What are your plans for Powerhouse? I have to come back to this. What's coming? Is it going to be a big change, a bit of a continuation? One of the things that's come up a lot is the idea of us wanting to have one foot in New Farm and one foot in New York and the idea that we're surrounded by New Farm Park. One thing that's really individual about this place is you're not really surrounded by office buildings and car parks and things like that. We're surrounded by homes and parks and the river and it makes for us a different identity. And one of the things we really want to commit to is things that belong to this place at this time and we have helped create it as strong as possible sense of this moment in Brisbane, that the, the artists and the conversation, what's happening here. But equally I think there's a great chance for us to be part of an ongoing international dialogue. There's a lot of international works have come here in the past and I think that's one of its great legacies. That innate contradiction is the thing that's interesting of here and I think it's the one thing that we'll probably most focus on on an ongoing exploration of. As the final river cat comes past, there's been a few of them in yeah, this conversation. Yeah, they, they like it. It's good. It's <laughs> one of the unique things. Um, I'd like to say thank you very much oh, and best of luck with your new role. Well, as a proud Brisbane person of seven weeks, it's been great having you here. It's a really special time to be in Brisbane. Thank you very much. You're listening to Guardian Australia's podcast from the Brisbane Festival. I'm Vicky Frost, and uh, we're here today at Brisbane Powerhouse, and we're learning uh, very quickly that there are a lot of boats on the river today, uh, which you may well have heard in the background. There's been a lot of music at this festival, so now we're going to hear from James Lees, who's programmed a lot of the local content, and is going to give us a bit of a musical sampler of Brisbane. I'm James Lees. I am part of the Brisbane Festival programming team, and one of the things that we have done is programmed a whole lot of fantastic, exciting bands on the festival stage. So this is Cheap Fakes. I got Strange as it seems, I'm sleeping on the floor. I know you want some more. 
The festival stage is almost primarily made up of Brisbane bands uh, and it was a real opportunity for us as programmers to represent the incredible amount of diversity and talent that exists in Brisbane. I think Brisbane has a reputation for having a really vibrant original music scene, really wonderful band scene. So we've tried to reflect that in the programming. Another band that we've got on the festival stage is a band called Michelle Zen and the Neon Wild. And they are an electronic dance band, I suppose you would say. There is a strong sense of community amongst Brisbane bands and Brisbane arts more broadly as well and I do think that goes right as far back as the 70s and 80s in this city. Definitely at a time when if you were from Brisbane and you were an artist or a musician you were not taken seriously in Sydney or Melbourne or anywhere else in the world and if you wanted to you left. Since the 90s that has changed and people stay which is great. That stigma from coming from the deep north, as it used to be called, I don't think it exists anymore. And I think there's actually, the tables have turned and it's actually a certain prestige now. I think because Brisbane artists and musicians were kind of shunned a little bit in the past, it created a strong community. And it was sort of almost like a little isolationist community. We were so far away from the rest of the world. And pre-internet days, we didn't have a lot of communication with anyone else. So if you wanted to do music all right, you just had to do it yourself. You had to make up your own rules and work out how to do it from scratch completely. And out of that has come a strong community feeling. We have the band Classic Now Woo perform for us. They performed for us last year and were fantastic as well. We brought them back this year because we love them so much. Indigenous hip-hop band and they're just fantastic. They have a great energy, they're great guys and their music is wonderful. Well, with the new way we're doing the festival stage with its new location and a new approach to programming that we took, it was a little bit of an experiment to see if it would work. Uh, and I am really pleased to see how audiences have responded. We've had quite large audiences for a couple of the events. It always just seems to be that thing that people are milling around South Bank, they don't quite know where things are happening, and then the stage fires up someone starts performing and it activates the space. I keep telling all the bands this, don't worry if there's not a lot of people around. In your first song, the first song's job is to let people know where you are. And two or three songs in, you know, they've got a couple of hundred people in front of them or more. Um, and yeah, a lovely vibe. And a lot of the programming starts right on sunset too, which is really nice. So yeah, so far that, that side of it's been going really well. 
You look at the Brisbane population statistics and apparently there's more than two million people here, but it doesn't really feel like a city with two million people. It's all sprawling suburbia, you know. Some parts of it do, but it doesn't have that quite big city feel. It's still, still got a, a nice town feel, village sort of feel in, in places. I, I think, again, that encourages that, that sense of community that happens. On the beach. This is Guardian Australia's podcast from the Brisbane Festival. You're listening to Vicky Frost and I am joined now by Ben Neutzer and by Andrew P. Street. We are standing on the riverside outside Brisbane Powerhouse, where I've been live blogging from all day with its amazing graffiti inside. After we had a night off last night, there were no shows on a Monday evening, and indeed no boozing either, as uh, we all tried to go out for a drink and found everything was shut on a cold and rainy night in Brisbane. No fun at all. Uh, (laughs) But there has been fun, this festival, so I thought it would be interesting to ask you what your festival highlights have been so far. My, my highlight, apart from Dick Diver, which we have already talked about on the podcast, I think my absolute highlight so far wasn't really to do with the festival. It was to do with uh, a, a venue actually not far from where we're standing right now called the Southside Tea Rooms, and specifically the brownie that they gave me at the <laughs> Southside Tea Rooms, which was like happiness with, like made out of chocolate. It, it, it was Turkish delight packed in. Uh, tomorrow, obviously, there will now be massive gaps in the live blog because <laughs> I'll just abandon my station to go and hunt down this mythical brownie. Who are you having a brownie with, Andrew? Uh, it was with John and uh, Patience, uh, a.k.a. The Greats. So it's a venue and bar which they've opened up. Th- there seems to be a lot of interesting, quirky little bars and cafes and performance spaces cropping up all, all around Brisbane and... Uh, yeah, so the last couple of days I've been trying to explore as much of that as I could possibly get around to, and, um, and they were lovely. They always are. And Ben, what about you? Have you been having fun? I've been having a lot of fun. I think probably my highlight has just been meeting a lot of local and international artists and getting to talk to them about their work. Yesterday afternoon I went and had a chat with Wesley Enoch, the artistic director of Queensland Theatre Company. He actually has no involvement with the festival this year, but I thought there's, there's no way you can come out to Brisbane and not talk to Wesley Enoch. It was a really refreshing experience because as you walk into his office, there's no one table and chair where he works. There's a big dining room table down the middle where he brings people in all the time and collaborates with them around the table. It's fantastic and such a smart guy with so many interesting perspectives. Anyone who's ever worked with me will know that I could not be trusted with such a table because I would immediately fill it with a large amount of paper (laughs) and it would just become this terrible, terrible tower of doom, basically, in the middle of the room. So I'm obviously in awe of anyone who can do that. I had a nice sort of non-festival highlight, actually. I went to lovely Bristyle Market on Saturday, which is 
uh, kind of independent designers and makers in Brisbane have um, a market. And I bought loads of this incredible pottery. I absolutely adore it. But one, I have no idea how I'm going to get it back to Sydney. Two, I have no idea how I'm going to get it back to the UK. And I've spent all my money on it. <laughs> We're halfway through our week here, so it's time to think about what we're looking forward to in the second half of the week. Um, Andrew, what's on your list? I'm very excited about seeing Calexico. I've never actually seen them live. I adore the, their music. I think seeing them in the Spiegel tent is going to be one of those take-your-face-off wonderful moments. You read a lovely interview with them today, and it was fun as well, but it covered lots of ground. I think it's going to be, you know, kind of quite an involved gig, it sounds like to me. How they're going to cram that much band onto that amount of stage, I think, is going to be logistically interesting, aside <laughs> from anything else. And Ben, what about you? Um, I think I'm most looking forward to Psycho Beach Party. I've spoken to the director, Stephen Nicolazzo, and Ash Flanders briefly on the phone yesterday for the our little dream roles part of the blog, and it sounds like it's just going to be an absolute hoot, so <laughs> that's what I'm pretty much looking for. So I, I guess I'm looking forward to Freeze Frame, uh, Debbie Allen's big show, which um, opens at the end of the week um, and has quite a lot of expectations on it. I think it's, it's sort of the big thing that everyone in the festival is very excited about. There's all these kids coming over from L.A. New musicals are very tricky things, as anyone who saw King Kong in Melbourne will well know. Slightly, no matter how hard you plan it and how great you think the idea is, I think until you get it on stage in front of an audience, nobody can ever know so that will be an interesting thing you know I'm open-minded about it the sun's setting here at the powerhouse so it's time for us to go I must say thank you to Ben Neutzer thank you and also to Andrew P Street a pleasure <laughs> sorry I don't, know, I don't know why that threw me so much but it totally did <laughs> uh, well Vicky's currently speechless so uh, join us tomorrow for the podcast here at The Guardian, <laughs> Australia. The Guardian.